This episode is sponsored by Efficient Business Solutions, your one-stop shop for technology. What a weekend in football we had. We had Arsenal mess up twice. We have Spurs drop a point to United, or did United gain a point, or are they both happy with the point? We have a lot of good stuff that happened. In the meantime, we're going to focus today on a couple of things. We're going to focus on United versus Spurs. I'm going to have Tom on the on the line with us, and he's going to discuss his points of view. I'll give him my points of view. I'll probably ask him about Arsenal because what is going on? And lastly, we'll talk about some really interesting things about what's going on with football, what's going on with the managers, and what to look forward to next week. So as we say, let's do this. Back for the uh, Sunday night edition. Uh, tomorrow we have uh, Manchester City versus Burnley. We're not going to have enough time to go through that, although I will give you my prediction Manchester City is going to win. Um, today we are going to focus on the game. And uh, Tom, here we are, man. On the last podcast, you predicted the score. We also broke down the liabilities that were in the defense, and I'll let you elaborate on that. But, man, you got this spot on, didn't you? Can I just say as well, actually my predictions, as you will well know, mate, my predictions are always inaccurate. I'm the worst person to ask for a prediction, so I'm quite pleased I got one right, first and foremost. Secondly, um, fair play to you guys. You, you asked me the question about the, the, the defence and the goalkeeper. Um, I mean, look, Mourinho obviously did his homework, didn't he? He exploited the space in between Maguire and Shaw. I think Aurier was down the right early on and he had the opportunity to swing it in. I think if somebody more attacking-minded was there, maybe a Deli Alley, uh, somebody like that, I think they would have exploited the gaps in the United States better. But the warning signs were there early on for United. That there was a lot of trouble, especially out of possession. In possession, United are quite good. Um, they don't always create as many chances as I think uh, Man City or Liverpool do, but uh, again, that's down to quality. But I think that the writing was on the wall early on, and I think that, yes, Maguire was massively at fault. Yes, De Gea was massively at fault. But fair play to Tottenham for... for isolating Maguire in, in, in those sort of situations and I think one all was probably a fair result at the end I think that you kind of picked us off a bit in the first half I thought we were while we looked like we're in control I think we created I mean look listen after you went one nil up there was a header I think was it Son who had the header yes uh, tiptoe, yeah so it could quite easily have been two nil there so one one I got it right but I think that you quite rightly flagged up the De Gea and Maguire frailties early on and I think that Mourinho obviously knew about that maybe you listened to our podcast you know, he, he, he exploited it. He exploited it. I mean, I watched Maguire quite closely um, for two or three years, actually, because I watched him against Huddersfield Town for Leicester and De Poitiers, uh, the Belgian striker, rolled him and rolled him quite easily and scored. I was sat right in front of him. I was a little bit alarmed by it. I think it was before the last World Cup. Uh, and then also this season for United, he's, he's been positioning me out of caught out a couple of times. I think when you're that kind of big without the pet, I think you need to be extra careful. That, you know, you need to be in the right place at the right time. We saw David Luiz getting a lot of criticism the night before, or a couple of nights before, for 
for Arsenal. He's so Maguire. He's kind of old, he's, he's almost got to be in the right position, faultless in that position. Because if he isn't, he's not quick enough to make up the make up the make up the room. And again, as we said on the podcast about De Gea, David De Gea is is potentially a world class deep when it comes to shot stopping, but. Even that seemed to let him down at the weekend against Tottenham as well. So I, I, the game was a little bit <clears throat> at the beginning. Uh, it, it, it took a, it took about five ten minutes for both teams to really show what their strategy was going to be because I thought that United was at the first five minutes uh, letting a lot come come from the left side. They they just allowed yeah. Spurs just to just to come down and then they realized that it was a gap and they started shutting it down and then when they shut it down. Spurs started showing their true colors, which is Mourinho tactics. We're going to sit back and we're going to hit you on the counter. There were a lot of times, even from a Spurs perspective, where they they made some mistakes. United was, I, I think, very vulnerable on the counter. And I think that if, I, I, I don't want to question Mourinho, but Lamella had way too many missed passes in the first half especially when we were countering, especially when United was vulnerable. I think that if Ndombele was in or anybody else, Winks even switched with Lamella a little bit, the passing would have been a little bit different. And you guys, I think, you you escaped a, a, a really, really bad first half. This could have been 2-3-0 going into halftime. The issue here with United was that United did not take advantage of a lot of things. Um, mainly the fact that if Spurs were sitting back, United just didn't know how to break them down. And I don't know if this was the fact that nobody has played for three months or if uh, uh, Solskjaer just doesn't know how to break down a team that sits back. I think it was a United issue from the beginning of the season even. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, in- it's interesting because obviously we've not had Pogba for, for however many weeks and months and I, and I don't mean this because of the coronavirus. I mean, before that, I think he's played sort of a handful of times all season. I mean, look, listen, when he came on, he did change the game. My opinion of Paul Pogba is quite clear. I think that if he's got his, his head screwed on and he wants to be there, we can see, as we did against Solomon, how, how invaluable he is in the world-class performer. If he's not quite at it, then, it, you know, he's, he's not very good at hiding it. Um in terms of creation and, and, and setting your stall out, I think you've got to give Mourinho and Tottenham a bit of credit because one thing Mourinho can do, you know, that's defending shape. And I think I saw one of your tweets either just before the goal or, or just after the goal where you see him sort of a full Mourinho performance. So, that point of view, I think that Mourinho at bot on, you've got to give him credit. And don't forget, he had Eric Dyer playing centre half. I, I thought he did all right, I, with the exception of how Pogba turned him for that penalty. I actually thought Eric Dyer did fine for the game. And this is and this is the difference. This is the difference. So Mourinho to Solskjaer to go back to the question. Solskjaer tactically not in Mourinho's league because Mourinho would not allow Maguire to be exposed as much as what Solskjaer obviously let him. It won't happen. You didn't see Dyer get exposed that often, did you? It was honestly, it was just that one. It was just that one one on one with Pogba on the side. That's it. Exactly. So there you go. So that's that, that answers your question. In terms of creation, I think that United in the second half, I was quite impressed actually because you're playing against a a very strict kind of tactician in Mourinho, but they, they did create a couple of chances. The second penalty was rightly not given. That was a dive, but in terms of how they controlled the ball outside the area. They did, they did okay, I was quite happy with that, but listen, Mourinho, Solskjaer, their CV say it all, really. I, I think that if the game would have lasted another 10-15 minutes, I, I could have seen you go up 2-1 before we did, honestly. 
So that, that so I, I think that maybe it's fitness, maybe it's it's mental fatigue. Uh, the focus level started to drop, and it, we were more committed on the defensive side than we were ever going to get a goal. And I think, to be fair, I think that a one-one result would may would have made, and I think it did, both managers actually happy. Nobody, I think, wanted to lose this one. Were you happy with the score? As the game got as the game got on, yes, but. It, it, it what annoyed me from a scoring perspective what well, from the result perspective was that we were up one and and Mourinho usually if he's up one locks it down and we didn't go up early in the game where you could say okay you know we've been playing de- you know on the defensive side for for 70 minutes we weren't it's really 45 or 50 minutes that we were playing hard strict defense the the issue that i have is Mourinho has an issue with having the players in the back fully committed from a focus perspective. They, they fall asleep. And maybe maybe it's not his fault. Maybe it's just the caliber of players. But I didn't see many mistakes made by the Spurs' back line, actually, during the game. What do you think of Kane's performance? He was on the field? <laughs> well, a lot of people are saying how well Maguire played because obviously he made that mistake. But other than that, he kept, kept, kept your main man pretty quiet. I think I think Kane Kane's quietness was more about Kane than it was about Maguire. I don't think that he put himself in the position to to get the ball in in threatening spots. Uh, there was there were a couple of balls where he would roll it off to the side, and Kane would usually make that run inside to try to get his head on the ball, and he was just not moving. I think that there's a lot of rust in Harry Kane. I think that. Uh, he may come out of it after a couple of games, but I, I think he was very ineffective, not because of Maguire, but because he was just ineffective. I do think that keeping him in the game was actually to his benefit because he needed to kind of shake off the rust a little bit. It is it is unfortunate that he really couldn't do much, but I, I look to the side and I say, Bergvine pay, played out of his socks, basically. I love that kid. And you're always going to expect a performance from Sun. Uh, I do think that we had an, a really good opportunity right after the goal and at the beginning of the first half to maybe add insult to injury to United. But credit to United for trying to keep it as close as possible, and which allowed them to actually be in a position to get that point. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely spot on. The, um, the, the issues that I, that, I, that I saw with United also... Besides trying to break down uh, um, the Spurs, the Spurs' defensive play was that there was really no creativity in the midfield until Pogba came on. I, I, I just couldn't see it. It was stagnant. It was no answers. Nobody was moving into spaces. Did, did what, what? I mean, I, I'm not a United fan, and I was watching it, and I was frustrated. How did it feel watching it from your end? It's tricky for you not because I'd have taken a point before the game. So I think that away at Spurs, Mourinho, like we said, could not see him losing two games in the same season, especially to United. Frustrating, but actually a lot of heart from how they performed in the second half. I think Mason Green was going to come in and start instead of Daniel James. I think that the Harry Maguire, as we, we mentioned on the previous podcast, needs a lot more pace next to him. I think Eric Bailly or Tun David could be the answer. But I think in general, I think uh, a point away at Spurs, Mourinho, I think we've got to be pretty happy with that. But uh, yeah, you're right. 
Maguire could not be exposed like that in the future game. I mean, could you imagine if, it, I mean, listen, I'm not saying that, like, you know, Spurs are, are, are an amazing team, but there are better. I mean, if you play Liverpool right now with Maguire in his form, or if you play City, or if you play a Leicester with the with the pace that they have, you guys are going to get exposed badly. Oh, mate, Man City and Liverpool, streets ahead. Everybody else is pretty much searching for consistency. If those teams can get consistency, then they're away. I agree. So, what's next for you guys? What are your thoughts? I don't know, you know, because I've, I've watched Sheffield United today and I'm thinking, United have got them next. I think we've got a favourable run. I think there's Leicester away, I think, second to last, the last game of the season. I think that's an obvious sort of banana skin, if you like, or, or challenge to top four, but then they might be already secured that position then already. So, for me, the big danger are Wolves. Or, for me, the, the, it's Wolves. And I think the United really need to... The next game's key, Sheffield United. Put the, put the Spurs game down as a as a point gained and then win win against Sheffield United. But until uh, until United can get a, that first win on the, the board, the fans are going to be, be nervous. And the big question is, will Pogba come back? And I think, uh, having seen how he played in the second half against you guys on, on Friday evening, then he's, he's got he's to get straight in there next to Bruno Fernandes. Well, he's, he's definitely put a performance that asks a lot of questions to Solskjaer, right? Like, the, now the question is asked, why wouldn't he start? with the way that he changed the game. No, I, I completely agree. So, let's... Alright, so, we got the opinion now about the United game. I am I am seriously edging to ask you. I know that you have no dog in this race, but what's going on with Arsenal? <laughs> you can't ask me that as a Spurs fan. I, 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 I just, I just want to get somebody else to talk... talk about them than me because I mean, I'm very partial, obviously, and my tweets have said it. But there is something structurally wrong with that squad, with that team, with that organization at this point. You talk about uh, Solskjaer being underqualified for the Manchester United, but what about Arteta at Arsenal? Right. I mean, everybody's saying that Arteta. The reason why Arteta got the job was because you know he learned from Pep and he's going to have a good future there. But what's going on, in your opinion? If you're a Bamian, what are you thinking? Because Wenger, Wenger could hide and get rid of Van Persie, get rid of Fabregas, get rid of Adebayor, etc. And he could uh, he could cover things up pretty well. Well, I'm not sure that Arteta can do that. So Aubameyang will probably leave, will he not? Right. But, but they, they, from a structure perspective, I mean, if Aubameyang leaves for nothing, I just don't understand how Arsenal is running their team. I mean, if you thought the Glazers were bad, whoo. Worse than the Glazers? Are, are you not seeing it? You look at the one to eleven. It's recruitment, isn't it? Why didn't they go for Gary Kaling instead of David Luiz? There's a great free transfer there. He plays fantastically for Crystal Palace yesterday. You know, there's players like that. They've got, you know, Abamyang, Lacazette. Their midfield's full of talent. They've got Pepe. They signed. You know, there's some mobility there. So what is it? What do you think? I mean, when if a player leaves on a free, there, there's something wrong. The recruitment is terrible. They're not structured in the, in the way that United are. United are improving, but Arsenal are just not doing that. Wenger has covered for them so many years. You know what it's like at Spurs. You, you know, you've not always signed great and big players, but you had a style and a way of doing it. Arsenal haven't got that. Well, Arsenal don't have anything. I mean, if Obama Yang leaves, it's another player that has left for nothing. You know, you know but if you're Obama Yang, do you stay for another year? Why would you? There's no indication in that club 
top to bottom, that they're moving in the right direction. Yeah, he's, 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 he's got Van Persie written all over. And, you know, he'd be very welcome at United as well. I bet he would. And, and having him right next to Pogba too, up front, ooh, you guys would be stacked. But I don't know if he wants to go. I think he wants to, I think he wants to leave England. It's a, it's a, uh, he's got one more big deal in him. He, look, you look at his age, he's got one more big deal in him. And you, you, you know what? It's down to, down to Arsenal to convince him to stay. But under that manager, I don't think he's got a chance. That's tough, man. That's really tough. And, and especially yesterday, the Brighton match. It, it's it, Again, you want to talk about lack of focus in the back. How could you give up that goal? It's it's unbelievable. It's a lack of heart and a lack of concentration. It's not about fitness because everybody's at the same level. It's about wanting and desire and, and tuning in. And you talk about Harry Maguire. One, one thing Harry Maguire can do is organize a defence. You know, he made a big mistake. In terms of organization, the defensive record in general is very good. Arsenal just weak all over the pitch. I agree. I agree. It's it's it, again. I, I, I'm speaking to you about it because I don't want to be the one that keeps on ringing the bell saying that Arsenal are in shambles. But there is something structurally wrong with that team, like like legitimately something wrong. Because there's no way that a team can go from that good to that bad in that amount of time and just continue to watch it. I, I, I if a Spur, if, if an Arsenal fan is listening to this, and I'll I'll, I'll tag I'll, I'll hashtag Arsenal in this. I really want some opinions because I just I can't see how a successful organization under one manager can go on and just fall off a cliff like that. When when Ar- when Sir Alex Ferguson left, there was something still about United that made them extremely dangerous at all times. They still won trophies, and I'm not even talking about just the FA. I mean, Mourinho was there. He won a European trophy for them. There is no way on earth that you could look at this Arsenal team and say, well, I mean, if they got into Europa, they could win it. No way. No, you're absolutely right. And I think the challenge for Arsenal is who would come in? Who can come in? They don't, nobody, there's there's no way to attract top talent. There's no way to attract, attract top managerial talent. They, they don't have anything to offer that would have a player choose them over a United, over a, a Spurs, over a Leicester even. I mean, heck, honestly, I'm, I'm willing to not qualify for Europe if Sheffield United does. I would love to see them in there. I would love to see a team like Sheffield get the money and, and, and build the structure and be competitive in, in the years to come. You, let me ask you this. You know business. What would you do as, if you were given the, the keys to Arsenal, so to speak? Uh, first, uh, the first thing I would do is I would look at expiring contracts on talented club, on talented players in the club that are coming in over the next two years. And I, if, yeah. if, if, they all, if they are long-term uh, uh, plan players... I would say you got 30 days to sign an extension or we're selling you and we're bringing in people that actually want to play. That's number one. Number two, they really need to. I mean, if you're going to give up on the next two, three years, and this is a conversation that you and I had actually about United. And then you look at their squad now and you and I spoke about this two, three years ago. And I said, United need to stop dreaming about trophies and start building the youth. Bring in youth that are talented, that are solid, that'll build the foundation of the club. And you're starting to see that in the Greenwoods. You're not seeing that in Arsenal. I'm not seeing them going out and grabbing an unknown name talent for five, six million pounds that you're not going to hear about for another two, three years. But when they come on, they're exploding. They're not getting a Greenwood. They're not getting a Deli Alley. They're relying on players that they have 
And those players end up leaving at the end of their contracts for nothing. There is no protection of the club's assets, which is just insane as a business. It's, it, compare, if I'm just comparing what you said there about United and Arsenal. I think Spurs are in danger of going the same way, if I'm being honest. If Mourinho doesn't work, where do they go? They don't go anywhere. They have to go back again. I mean, the 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 the, the, the next year is the telling year for for Spurs. They had an opportunity to build with the youth, and Mauricio Pochettino did an amazing job doing that. Now they're in a position where you start supplying that youth talent that you have with some really, really top class experience, and they have not done that yet. This this summer, this transfer window is the interesting one for Mourinho, and I understand they don't have money, but to be fair, nobody else does. So, you, so what's he going to do then? What's he going to do? He has to sign. A, look, he, he has mentioned a couple of times two things. The club are not going to offer him a lot of resources. And that's understandable considering the situation that everybody's in with the world right now. The other piece that he's mentioned is he needs to improve on two or three key positions. And yeah. this, is, this is something that Mourinho, I think, excels in that not a lot of managers do. They can come into a club and very quickly realize these three, four positions are exposed. I need to improve them if I'm going to do anything. And he's the type of manager that will improve them, win trophies with them, and then everybody knows what happens to clubs after he leaves. But this is this is a situation now, I think, if anybody worth their salt that is in the Spurs organization that's, that's listening, Mourinho is obviously not a long-term proposition for the club. Mourinho yeah. is going to get you in a position where you are going to win trophies. What you do after Mourinho leaves is you bring a Mopo back and then you start with now that you have the reputation that you're winning trophies, start attracting talent naturally, start improving the team organically. It's something actually that one w- in one way or another, United is capitalizing on, right? United, yes, when, when he left, when, when Mourinho left United, United are a better team today. And they're a better team because of what United did during Mourinho. They won trophies. They, they, they put themselves on the European map again. They're playing Champions League. This is something that Spurs need to understand. I am willing to forego Europe next season if I'm going to see a strategic improvement in the team. The problem is now you start talking about money. If you don't qualify for Champions League, you become an arsenal. And it's it's a club that doesn't have the money or doesn't want to spend the money because they don't know where the revenue is going to be generated from. And you start falling backwards. It is also the biggest problem in football right now where everybody wants to win now. Nobody has the patience that, you know, was allotted to a Wenger. Nobody has the patience that was allotted to Sir Alex Ferguson. If you don't win a trophy in two, three years, you're canned. I mean, can you understand that Eddie Howe is in danger of losing his job? How? I agree, I agree with it. I, I think he's a terrible manager. I think the bottom half of the Premier League is awful. You rate him. I, I rated him to an extent, Tom. I rated him. Look, Eddie Howe. I'll, all right. Do you believe? Tell, tell me why you Well, it depends on what I'm rating him against. So... Do you believe that Eddie Howe did a phenomenal job up to 
the first season in the Premier League? No, I'm not know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just anxious to hear what you think, really. I, I'm, intri- I'm Basically, the reason why I would rate him is he took a team that was in shambles. The club backed him up. He stuck. They stuck with him. He stuck with his strategy. He was able to organically grow the team into a Premier League team. Now, once you get to the big stage, you have to act like a big player. Otherwise, you're down again where you were. Yeah. So, so I would say that he was a really good manager up to an extent. I would say that his uh, his capacity to lead a successful squad ends as soon as you get into the Premier League. Okay. But come on. You you can't you can't Eddie Howe Eddie Howe will never step foot into White Hart Lane unless he's managing an opposing team. There's no way. But if you think about it, has he really done that bad with what he has? I think he's done okay. I think I think he's reached the top of his mountain. That's what I'm saying. Uh, he has definitely reached the pinnacle and the peak of what he could offer. But there are other managers out there that shouldn't really be managing. I'm going to ask you a legitimate question, and you know that in the back of my head, there, there, I do have some love for Aston Villa, right? But who's managing Aston Villa? Can you tell me? It looks like John Terry is to me. Uh, okay. That, 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 the answer to that question just gives you everything you want to understand about... I think the management has changed, and you look at Guardiola and Klopp, they're the new age of it. I think Mourinho hasn't adapted as well. I think Mopo, with the right players, could. I think um, Eddie Howe is a, is a manager that can only go so far because I think he's limited. Is he better than Chris Wilder? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. I think Chris Wilder is better than Eddie Howe, without a doubt. But, yeah. then, but then if I turn around and I tell you, how do you rate Solskjaer? Solskjaer develops a culture change the mindset the whole the whole the whole facility in terms of like tactics as you pointed out it remains to be seen because you need the best players are you willing to be patient with Solshire, knowing that he's brought back that culture back to united in the dressing room i, I, I think he i think he's bought himself in time how long how long before how long before you have to sack him because he hasn't won anything i think Solshire. it's a bit like the Mourinho actually because i think you said the other day that Mourinho will get another three years after this, hopefully, if you think now from Spurs' point of view. I think I think Solskjaer gets another season after this. Okay. He gets one, one more window. So you give him you give him a pass next season if he doesn't win anything? I give, I give him a pass. No, no, I give him this season. Let's assume we don't get Champions League, don't get Europe League. I give him this season, and then I give him next season as well. So, yeah, so next season you give him a full season if he doesn't win anything. Yeah. And then you give him a, th- a third. So if we're counting this one as one, the next one as two, he has a job for the third if he doesn't win anything. But beyond that, he's out. I believe, I believe so, yeah. yeah. I actually would give Mourinho a more accelerated. So I'm going to give him a pass this season. But this is the season to give him a pass. Next season, I want a challenge for something. If he does not w- reach a semifinal of a competition and really give it a good go next season, I'm just going to start asking questions. Yeah. Because at that point, you've had two legitimate windows. You've had time to preseason with the... I, I, by the way, I'm considering this a full preseason because it, it's, it, you're, you're playing in the summer. Now, has there, any, has there been any word that you know of as to when the next season is going to start? I've got no word on it, but, but what 
I'm thinking is, listen, this, this season's been disrupted beyond belief. Nobody could have predicted it. I think he gets one more transfer window, and then that's it. He gets a season. That, so that's where I. So you're you're guessing that the season is going to start sometime in August or September. I think the season will definitely start before before mid mid September, should we say? Okay. Then and I think we, what we'll see is we'll see a lack of international friendly fixtures probably for for certain these first six months, and the season will go again. And then by which chance, hopefully fans will be back in sort of early 2021. But I think that yeah, in terms of Solskjaer's future United, you'll. He'll get the next transfer and he'll get next season. Where do you see United finishing at this point, this season? Outside top four. Europe? Out, out, outside top four. Yeah, perhaps Europe League, yeah. Yeah, but not, not top four. Not top do four. you want to play in Europe next season? Oh, then it'd be amazing. But I just think that, I think Solskjaer needs a run like he did when he first got the job. And uh, I don't know if he's capable of it, given the sort of, restrictions and the no crowd and the momentum. I just think that the game against Spurs was a huge, huge moment. And I think if United won that, I think they'd probably have gone on and done them all kinds of favours. But I just think that it's probably a point lost. And I'm, I'm looking now, you know, we're doing this live. Chelsea are winning against Villa. They seem to have turned it around. I think that might be, you know, you're looking at them as probably one of the favourites now to get that fourth spot. Uh, that's probably the nail in the coffin in the Villa story too, by the way. Yeah, which, which, again, you know, where does Grealish go? But I guess that's a, a question for another day. Okay, well, it, it, we'll do it for another day, but give me your 30 seconds. Would you take him? Oh, God, yeah. He's, he's an improvement on, um, from what I understand, he's keen to come to United. He's an improvement on what's there already. I think if Pogba goes, you need that kind of player in there, and I think he'd be a great addition. I think he's a, a British lad who gets the ethics of the club, and I think like Bruno Fernandes, he'd play like he wanted to be there. So, yeah, absolutely, I'd have him at United. You want to talk about uh, something that you've completely gained this season. Bruno Fernandez is the bee's knees, man. Yeah, he's, he's an incredible player. He's, he, we saw it in the way he took his penalty away. and He's just got that commitment alongside the skill, hasn't he? He's the one for the future, honestly. That was a great grab for you guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Christian Eriksson. Did I see Eriksson? No, I'm saying he's Christian Eriksson, isn't he? He is he is your Christian Eriksen, I would say. Yeah, uh, he he definitely makes the motor go. He, he he's he's just a very focused player, and and I've I've noticed that about a lot of players that come out of the Portuguese league is that they're just fundamentally sound. They're really good players. He's got that work ethic alongside the skill, and you know we, we can talk about other players that don't have that, but he's got it all for me, and I, and I just think that. He, he wants to be there, and, and, and Solskjaer put his faith in him. He built his team around him. He didn't put Pogba in against Tottenham. He made him wait. Uh, do you think that that fueled Pogba to play how he played? Because I think that he had something thing, to prove. The best thing for Pogba to do to get a move, which I think is the best thing, is to play well like he did against Spurs, and he'll get his £150 million move. If he's sulking, it's harder to move him on. But but so then the the other question is if he's playing very well do you do you try to persuade him to stay? I don't know. It depends about his culture and the long term. What he, what he wants to do. Would you rather have a player with less ability if he wants to be there? If he does he you know Solskjaer will know. Solskjaer knew him when he was at the club previously. So what do you do? You get a player who wants to be there who hasn't got as much ability. Do you play him and, and hope that for the best? For me, I think it's time he moved on. Okay. So if I were to tell you. In next transfer window, you either keeping Pogba or you're getting Grealish. It's tough. It, that's that's cruel, Adam. That is very, very cruel. I'm going to go 
Get rid of Pogba, keep Grealish. Actually, I think that's the best thing you could do because I, I, I've been vocal with you, you also. You still got Bruno left. You do, and I think that Grealish and Bruno would, would really be causing a lot of people a lot of problems. I, I do believe that, and I do think that Pogba was an issue in the locker room more than anything else because, look, there's no doubt about his skill. The doubt is mentally how he's going to behave himself. Is he going to be selfish? Is he going to play for the team? I really think that he showed a lot of heart. And, um, and and he showed a desire to show everybody what he was worth um, in the yeah. game. Um, I don't know if he's consistent enough to keep that up. Early, early, early signs are Bruno for me ahead of Pogba every day of the week. I, I agree with you there. I agree with you. So against Sheffield, are we going to do a pregame? I, I, we'll definitely do a pregame, but I'll give you a prediction now. United will beat them 3-1. 3-1. Oh, man. I'm going to put some money on Sheffield now. <laughs> what are you saying? You say, what's Spurs doing? Uh, West Ham? We're going to win. Of course we're going to win. There's is no it discussion. At, is, is it at West Ham? Do, they I, they no. terrible yesterday, by the way. I, think, I, I, do, I do fancy Spurs to, to turn them over. Um, I, I, I think we're playing home. I don't think that it matters. I think we're going to turn them over either way. West Ham are, are in shambles. I think West Ham are going to be the third team to go down. Right, God, that really... Really put Moisey's stock back even further, wouldn't it? Exactly. Uh, and again, it's not his fault. It's just another one of those things where just you look. I look at the organization from top to bottom, and I say that they just what they're doing is not sustainable for the betterment of the club. They should just get rid of ownership, uh, somebody else that actually cares about West Ham United to come and take it over. Uh, that's that's the sad part of football, I guess. We'll see. You need those three We we need more than three points. We need a divine intervention at this point if we're going to even touch Europe. But again, I'm not going to lie to you. I'd take a season without Europe if really? if if that if if that's going to give Mourinho the time to work out the kinks that he needs to work out. I would forego Europe next season. I'd play domestic and I'd really focus on on making a challenge on one of the three competitions. Because I think Chelsea under Conte won won the league, didn't they? Without European football, exactly. again, like one of the listeners. Exactly, and then um, United with. I'm not saying you win the league. But. No, but United finished second in the league the year after when they did not play Europe either. Great stat, yeah. So, so there is something to be said about maybe having a balance of, of games and, and fitness. Anyway, Tom, pleasure as always, man. We're gonna oh, do a no, pregame. No, anytime. We're definitely gonna do a pregame. So book your calendar. What I might do is I might. And this place called I might interview you actually. If it's alright on the Football's Law podcast. Let's do it. That's our show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you watch uh, Manchester City tomorrow. Smash Burnley. Till next time. Be safe.